Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blue Oval Podcast. My name is Garrett Zatlin, and yes, I know what many of you are thinking. Oh wait, there's no Ben here. That's right, because he's off to Italy. Very selfish of him to have like an entire life. Um, but yes, I think we told you ahead of time that that was going to happen. Um, but I do have a guest with me today, longtime veteran. If you've listened to the podcast enough, you've probably heard her before. It is Mara Beatty. Mara, how you doing? Doing okay today. It's nice to finally get that fall weather going as we're heading into the middle of the cross-country season. Yeah, except you wouldn't know that on the East Coast because we're getting hit by a torrential downpour um, for the hurricane. So, um, But yeah, uh, I'm, I'm glad to have you on. Um, everyone, I think, uh, who knows you knows that you are probably one of the more tenured writers here at TSR and uh, you're a machine when it comes to content. So we're excited to have you on, get some insight on some of the more recent major results that we've had. Um, A few things before we get started, we've got some ratings and reviews on Apple Podcast. Uh, I believe we got a new one on Apple. Uh, There was also like a comment that that we got with that one. And it was just saying uh, that, you know, let me see here. That they enjoy listening to the show, staying on top of cross country uh, distance running, and that Ben and I are enthusiastic. Which, as Mara knows, I am always enthusiastic, probably more so than she wants me to be. Um, but, but thank you to whoever that was. I believe that was actually Eric, and I think I know who that was. They're a longtime reader of ours, so thank you, Eric. We appreciate it. And then a few more on Spotify. So great, thank you to everyone who's doing that. Really, really appreciate it. Please keep that up, Mara. You and I have to go over a handful of races today. We've got to go over Virginia invite, GRIAC invite. We're going to talk about Cowboy Jamboree and Bill Dellinger invite a little bit at the end as well. For the Virginia invite, where do you want to start? Do you want to start on the women's side or the men's side? Um, let's go with the men first. Okay, men. Coming into this race, the Stanford men, I think, was the consensus favorite here at TSR, mainly because they were the ones expected to field a full lineup. Uh, we're as close to a full lineup. They didn't have Thomas Boyd in. That, however, didn't happen. They dropped to ninth, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Instead, it was Northern Arizona taking home a convincing 30-point victory over BYU with Drew Bosley in first, Theo Quacks in sixth. They had uh, Santiago Prosser 17th, and then a slew of men behind them, Kang Neok in 22nd, Corey Gorgas 25th, Colin Solomon in 33rd, so on and so forth. What is your instant reaction when you look at this result, see how convincing this win was for Northern Arizona, and realize that they still didn't have Nico Young, Aaron Las Harris, and Brody Hasty? I think this just continues to show you that Northern Arizona is that top tier that they continue to show year after year, and they bring in people, and they develop so well under Mike Smith and up in the Flagstaff Mountains that you can never really count them out. Theo Quacks, I think, is the big story here. I don't think we're surprised that Drew Bosley won. But Theo Quacks, sixth place, he's been great on the track. He has a history of being great on the track. And more specifically, this past year, he was phenomenal. I believe sub-1330, over 5,000 meters. But he had never fully translated that kind of success to the grass, at least not to this magnitude or certainly not over the consistency of the year. What are your thoughts when you see that? Like, how legitimate does that result come up to your mind and, and think, like, oh, I think he could be an All-American low stick? It, is that a fair assumption to make this early in the season in September? I would say so, yes. He, just last season in 2022, he was only 108th at Nuttycomb. But now he's made that massive jump on the track, and he's translated that success well over to the grass already. And once you mix in him with Nico Young and Drew Bosley and really the whole slew of the NAU team, that's just another strong force in that top seven, even that top five. He could be All-American. I like him a lot. I've always liked him a lot. I want to see one more race where I just go, okay, he's definitely like this All-American contender. Um, It is hard to write him off after a finish that strong, though. So I do kind of see see that. BYU – Joey Noakes, fourth, Aiden Troutner uh, in 14th. You got Cree Thompson, 26th, Jacob Stanford, 27th, and Garrett Stanford in 30th. They did not have Kenneth Rooks, did not have Casey Klinger, and did not have uh, Davin Thompson, I believe. Any main takeaways? Are you surprised at all? I mean, is, is there anything that you can look at here and be like, ah, I thought this would happen or this would happen? Are you surprised at all? No, BYU is always as they are. 
when I lived in Utah, I would talk to a coach who loved BYU as well. And he was always like, they've always got people. They're strong. Now, I was really hoping for Casey Klinger to race. He's my preseason favorite right now. Oh. But, oh, yeah. But even with him not racing, it still showed that that depth is strong for the Cougars. I think we need to address Stanford. And Stanford was the team that I think was viewed as the favorites just because, again, they were the ones who had such a significantly loaded lineup. Kai Robinson does very well in third place. Uh, you, you can't really you know, blame him for how he performed at all. He, he did his job. I think we would have liked him to be a little bit more competitive with Bosley and with Wolf, but generally speaking, did his job. Third place. Well, it was the After- place of the season, too. You can't be disappointed with a third place finish. No. Like a little rust buster. No, and I'm and I'm sure that's the case, but I'm I think you know when you have him as highly ranked as we will, and we will not specify where, but when you specify that, and you kind of want him to be like this much more competitive, but yeah, and I I don't think we're like looking at this like oh this changes everything. I don't think it does, but just something to monitor. But regardless, he ran well. That's not the point. He still ran very well. What is interesting is what happened behind him, Leo Young. You know, Stanford rookie who is highly revered, 46th place. Not what I think most people thought was going to happen. Cole Sprout, the All-American ace, 62nd place. Lex Young, same thing, rookie standout, 75th place. And then Zane Bergen in 90th place. Uh, Calum Sherry in 110th. Evan Burke, 120th. And Robert Udonato, 140th. Are you hitting the panic button on Stanford yet as a podium team? They didn't have Thomas Boyd in, but is this a time to hit the panic button? The only reason I would hit the panic button would be on Cole Sprout. He's somebody that we would expect to be closer up with Kai Robinson. And for him to be the team's number three back in the middle of the pack of the race, that's a little concerning knowing his injury history. And I would agree. And that's what I think I specified a lot in the First Thoughts article. Like, I think there's rooms for avenues for improvement for Lex and Leo Young. I think they'll be better just with general experience, improvement, aerobic capacity, things of that nature. I think Robert DiNonato can be better in the future, although he does have to be more consistent. Sprout has to be a top 10 guy in this field. And even that wouldn't have totally erased, you know, the, the deficit that they had created between the top teams, but it's at least a starting point. And when you bring in Thomas Boyd in, you, you think the other guys can improve, and you know you know Cole Sprout's going to be a low-stick ace. You can see a future where Stanford's better than just ninth place. But I agree with you. I think Cole Sprout is the biggest one you look at here and go, ooh, um, not great. Now, do I think it's – I'm not going to hit the panic button because I think everyone's allowed one off race in a season. But I, I want to see something better the next time out, whether that's, I think, pre-Nats, I think they're going to, or Nutty Comb. If there's still not noticeable progression as a low stick at that point, I don't know if I'd say Stanford's a podium team then. Do you view them as a podium team right now? Right now, I view them like right on that cusp of the 4-5 okay. finish. It's going to take like a really good day from everyone on that roster which is like fielded by veterans but then we got a lot of newcomers let's move on to a few other teams here of the rest of the teams that we haven't already addressed i think north carolina pretty straightforward team roughly addressed uh kind of what we thought they would be villanova largely the same syracuse much better than we anticipated although they did field paul o'donnell who we were initially told was not going to be racing he is uh, virginia seems on brand butler had a nice day Eastern Kentucky in 10th, Wake Forest 11th, so on and so forth. What's the team that you go, oh, this was a better than expected race for them? Um, Air Force. Yeah. The like, I honestly, in my head, I was like, oh, they're going to struggle this year after losing that core group of guys that were getting them in the top. But they showed that they still have a, the depth on that roster that we just weren't expecting right away. Yeah, I I like that answer a lot. Um, The All-American firepower was gone, or just the firepower in general. They didn't have uh, Marshall. They didn't have Ryan Johnston. They didn't have uh, Sam Gilman. They lost Scott Mason, who was a back-end contributor, or just a scorer contributor for that team early last fall. There was a lot of scoring. Luke Combs was not available for any racing. 
throughout um, you know the end of last fall until now. So to see him back hit 18th place. But Sean Mason, I think we knew he'd be pretty good. I think we figured he'd be a borderline low stick. He gets 15th place. That seems about right for him. And then you kind of come back to this. It's, oh, Max Sanis gets 36. Eli Bennett gets 43rd. They have a guy in fifth uh, as their fifth score in Ryan Child at 77th. It's not the prettiest team. It's not as good as last year's team, but it's a very solid squad. We didn't have them ranked, but they ended up finishing six in this race ahead of Virginia, Butler, Stanford, Eastern Kentucky, Wake Forest, Colorado. Where do you see them, at least just through one September time race, where would you see them within our top 25? I would say maybe around that like 12, 11. Oh, you're already that high. Yeah, you know, like this was a solid performance on a course that they saw plenty of top ranked teams on, but now they've got some experience on that panorama panorama farms course that will hopefully give them some, a little bit of the advantage when they go to and if they qualify for NCAAs there. I don't know if I'm as high. I think the difference between their fourth and fifth score is 43rd place to 77th place. The difference between their fifth score and their sixth runner was 77th place to 101st. And the difference between their sixth runner to their seventh runner was 101st to 127th. I wonder how in even larger fields or even like more competitive fields like Nuttycomb, like Nationals, what that kind of impact would have. I don't know if I'd be quite as high um, as maybe like 11, 12, but could I see them around the 20th spot, maybe even breaking into that? Sure, I, I could I could certainly be there, be there right now. Um, for me... The team that I think surprised me the most was Colorado. And maybe not in a good way. And it's weird because I didn't have, have them predicted in my top 10, but I think that's because I thought Austin Vance would run. And he did. But this team just doesn't seem to have a lot of firepower. Vansel was 24th, and they had um, Paul Stafford in 39th, but there were significant drop-offs from there. The firepower is not quite as potent. Cole Mattinson has been saying on Strava that he's coming back from an injury that's been nagging him for the last few weeks. So I don't even know if he's going to be available. Um, I don't know if Appleton ran. I'd, I'd have to take a look here. Or even Ashbrenner ran. Um, let me take a look here. Yeah, Appleton ran. Excuse me. But uh, but Ashbrenner didn't run. I still wanted more, and I felt like a 12th place finish wasn't great. Do you still think this team can be a top 10 squad in the country? I go, I go back and forth on the Colorado men a lot. Right now, they're, the Colorado women are running. They've, they've got such great depth on that team, but it's not translating to the men's team right now. And for such a storied program, it's hard to not see them as a top 10, but they're just lacking something that I cannot figure out what it is yet. And that's fair. I, I, for me, I think it's the firepower that they're just missing. And I do think they're going to be better in the future. I do think they're going to peak, but I struggle to see how they're going to be a top 10 team when I don't really know where they're going to be improving massively. Uh, maybe Mattinson comes back. Um, I, I don't know. It's just crazy that their women's team got so many t- like transfers, but their men's team just couldn't get those same that same firepower from other programs. It is interesting, right? Because you've seen Colorado now more, uh, you know, intensely dig into the transfer portal over the last few years. Not so much this past year. And they've always been like a grow from within kind of program historically. Um, And they brought in, you know, Paul Stafford this year, right? And they they brought in a few guys. But yeah, you're right. It It is kind of interesting how the Colorado women and Colorado men have seen kind of a divergence in terms of firepower versus depth and things of that nature, how their roster is structured. Um, For me, I'm fascinated as well by Wake Forest. I think this is a fascinating team. Rocky Hansen finishing fifth overall. First off, thoughts on him finishing fifth as a true freshman. Uh, The only people who beat him were Noakes, Robinson, Wolf, and Bosley. So thoughts on him placing fifth overall. And then I got a text from a coach yesterday saying, hey, I think... Wake Forest can be national champions in 2025 because of how young they are and how they'll develop from here until now. Luke T. Wall didn't have his best day. I think he can be better in the future. Do you, A, thoughts on Hanson, and then B, do you believe that this team can realistically contend for a national title in 2025? I had to do like a quick take to like make sure that I was seeing this correctly when I looked at the results that 
Rocky Hansen was fifth in, in a field that was did have some of the heavy hitters in the NCAA going. I mean, he was only, what, 10 seconds out of the win. Now, granted, 10 seconds can be a lot, but he showed that he's not afraid to go right up to the front and run with those guys. He is no. definitely, if I were ranking him right now, I would say at least like in that top 25 range. Mm. Mm. Okay. Okay. I was thinking closer to around 30, give or take one or two spots. Okay. I think, but I think it's realistic to say, you know, top 25. I, I don't know if I'm quite there yet. I would want to see a little bit more solidity, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. That I'm gonna get more out of him consistently. He, he's still young. It's one race. Um, let's see how we can he do it again. Um, how much better can he get? A, this is a big confidence boost. Exactly. In my opinion. Right now, yeah. for your first meet of the season, and you go out and show up like that. So, in, in terms of Wake Forest, though, 2025 are they national champions? Oh, they are very young. They ran. I think four freshmen with cross-country eligibility in their top five. That is yeah. crazy. And they're still getting, like, some of these top talented high schoolers. Yeah, I think what the, the biggest thing that I'm taking a look at here is when, when, I'm, when I'm taking a look through these results is, yeah, Hanson was there. And then you got O'Brien in 57th, Charlie Sprott in 61st, Luke Tewalt was 67th. He listed as a junior. Maybe they redshirt him next year if he's not already redshirted. I think he may already be. I'm not sure. But he could have probably been in the top 20 today or yesterday or Friday. Friday. I'm getting my days mixed up. Oh, Saturday. I was right. Saturday. Excuse me. We're recording this on Sunday. Um, you know, Gavin Ellers and we were long and going kind of go through. Hunter Jones is 116th place. I think he's going to be way better than that. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. These guys are crazy, crazy young. So, yeah, I, I do think that they can be winning a national title in 2025. I don't think it's going to be 2024. But if they can stick together – land a big transfer to this is going to be a really really dangerous team okay before we move on to the women's side any team outside of the top 15 who are you still the most high on and i know you have a little bit of a bias with the 16 team but who are you most high on of the teams that finished outside of the top 15 if i'm taking my bias out for utah state even though my brother doesn't go there anymore (laughs) Just leave them out because I can't say anything else there. I want to see something from Washington. Yeah. I think that they've got something still there. They didn't even run Nathan Green. Yeah. And they didn't run Joe Wascom. True. So that's two men who are veterans of the program that didn't run. And seeing Luke Hauser finish 10th, we know that Hauser, Wascom, and Nate Green are great runners together. That's true. Strong trio. So what's your team that you still are- I think it has to be Washington just because of what you said. And because like you you take a look at how they ran this race, and Luke Hauser was 10th, and Tyrone Gorse was 34th. I mean, what's that? True freshman for him. True freshman. I mean, like, that's a really solid one, too. I think a lot of teams would be really happy with that one, too. And I think, you know, we saw this – excuse me – saw something similar last year where – Washington had a really poor race at the Cowboy Jamboree in 2022. And then they slowly rallied. They still weren't as good as I think we thought they'd be, but they slowly rallied in the postseason and got a little bit better. I wonder what impact Wascom makes, what impact Green makes. I'm not quite sure yet. Yes, I think Washington will be better, but it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty, although in benefit of your Utah State uh, Aggies there, um, I do think that they'll get a Colos point or two. Um, I, I think they have a realistic shot there, so that's interesting. Um, all right, let's move on to the women's race here. Northern Arizona wins the race here, forty-eight points. They got Anika Rice, or I'm sorry, they got Elise Stearns going, uh, taking the overall win, while Anika Rice places eighth, Graceland Larkin finishes ninth, and then Kira Moore in fourteenth, Maggie Congdon in sixteenth. Initial thoughts and reactions to seeing the overall dominant NAU win. I like seeing those women that we don't usually focus on for NAU right now mm-hmm. really step up. Specifically, the Maggie Congdon, and then it was Kira Moore. Yes, I, I know her sister races there too, so I get the right. two 
down sometimes. But seeing them jump up into the scoring lineup was great. Because now when you add in Ruby Smee and Macy Grice and hopefully Allie Upshaw is up there again after her performance at their home meet, we will see a, a even more formidable NAU team. They were really good. I mean, th- this is to see more in 14th, Congdon in 16th, I think is pretty significant. I mean, you are, you know, now you're getting two women where it's like, like you, you feel really confident that they can be really good sixth or seventh runners and be top 50, top 60 runners in the country at the national meet, right? Like that's really solid. And this is what we've been saying throughout the entire summer. NAU is going to have a ton of depth with Larkin coming in, Grice and Upshaw coming in and Smee coming in. They have so such high of a floor that I don't see them having a poor race. And if you're going to have more and Congdon run as well as they are, like they're going to have four All-Americans in some capacity. It's just a matter of what, how high will those All-Americans be on the national stage? And I think that's the biggest takeaway here. I still think NC State's in a class of their own, but NAU was exceptional. Um, Colorado, is it fair to say that there's no reason to stress out about Colorado, mainly because they didn't run Hurtenstein, they didn't run Baran, they didn't run Cook, they didn't run Stolliper, they didn't run Hannah Minuti, they didn't run Hannah or Abby uh, Nechenecki, right? They didn't run all these women, but they did have Covert in fifth, Carrie Balaga, the freshman in 21st. They had Katie Doucette, the Western Colorado transfer in 57th, and then there were some drop-offs from there. They did finish, I think, what? Ninth overall. But fair to say that this is not a reason to panic by any means. No. I mean, Emily Covert, fifth, that's right where she is. The only thing I would say about her, she definitely needs to remain healthy. Yeah. Because that is a her performance will be big for Colorado. And if she's not there, we will see another drop off. But I was happy to see um, Carrie Balaga, only a true freshman, finished 21st. Yeah. That was a solid day for her being the second true freshman across the line behind um, Amy Bonnage of Stanford. Um, now, one name that I will say we will want to pay particular attention to was. Samri Dishon finishing oh, right. 159th. That will be a name that when she's on, brings her A game to a race, she can be up there in the top half of the field. But if she's a middle of the pack runner back there, finishing as the fifth scorer, that's not going to help Colorado's storyline. No, and it's it's fascinating that you bring her up. Like she clearly had an off day. Like th- this is an all-American runner with 1554 5k PR. She has great credentials. She is one of the high, you know, higher ranked uh, women in our rankings. And you look at what she did last fall, 20 uh, 13th at Joe Piani, 8th at Nutty Comb. But then she had that remember that really weird like mountain region race? Yeah, she was like 98th. And then she had a solid, you know, 37th place all-American finish um at the national meet. And then she goes on to race uh, throughout the winter, throughout the spring, but she ends her season after Brian Clay in the middle of April. And something to monitor. I, I don't think Colorado needs all of the women who we've listed to be, you know, within their top five, right? Like they, they need probably 80 or 85% of those women to be healthy and on firing in all cylinders. But Deshaun to me was the one woman who I'm like, oh, she's going to be stable and one of the more stable runners on this team. So interesting to watch here. Um, Carrie Balaga, 21st place, that rookie who you were mentioning. Do you believe that by the national meet, she will be in this team's top five? I do believe so. She started out strong already before them. I mean, she competed unattached at their first race on their mm-hmm. time trial. And Wetmore must have seen something in her after that race to put her in uniform for this one. So he. She she must be bringing something to that table for the Buffaloes that can keep her in their top five. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I want to move to Stanford. Um, great race. I think a lot of us were very high on Stanford, specifically Ben and myself. Um, I don't know if you were maybe as high on them as maybe me and Ben were, but regardless, um, nice race from them. Amy Bunnage, the Aussie rookie. Great race, sixth place. I think that's roughly about what we kind of thought she was capable of. And then you kind of go down the list. Nice race for Lucy Jenks in 20th. Riley Stewart in 22nd. Grace Connolly in 24th. You get a slew of women behind them. You get 
Sophia Kennedy, the freshman, in 32nd. You get Zofia Dudek, who I think obviously we're still trying to figure out a little bit more about in 44th. You kind of keep going down the list. Caroline Wells in 55th. And then uh, who am I else? Am I miss um, Ava Pareka. Uh, yeah, yeah, Ava Pareka, thank you, in uh, 49th. So I think we're still trying to get a gauge of this team. I think we're encouraged the fact that Dudek's not at 100%. She's not even a scorer, and they're still getting second. They don't even have Irene Riggs, their star rookie, and they're still second. Can this lineup, as currently constructed as what you just saw, can this lineup still realistically contend? And I'm not saying they'll be favored, but can this lineup, as you know it right now, contend for a podium spot? Yes, I believe they can. They've got the depth, they've got some firepower, and they have plenty of experience. Do you believe that with Riggs remaining out, and if Dudek is not a scorer, you believe that this team can still be a podium team, correct? Yes. Interesting. I love that. I like that. And here's the thing. I don't totally disagree either. I like Bunnage a lot. Stewart's really good. Jenks is underrated. Like the Kennedy at that fifth spot's nice. They've got a ton of depth. I think there's a lot of room for improvement. I think they need more proven firepower. Like I need to see more from Dudek. I need to see more. I need to see Riggs, you know, come back and just be healthy. Maybe Jenks could be a little bit higher up and closer to, the, to Bunnage. But solid race. I liked what I saw. I liked that pack of Jenks, Stewart, and Connolly. Yeah. Now, I would have loved it if they went 20, 21, 22 rather than 20, 22, 24. But that's a great little pack right there. Mm-hmm. I agree. I very much agree. Um, anyone else in the top 10? Uh, highlight whoever you'd like. Who, who's the teams in the top 10 you're looking at? You go, you know what? I really liked what I saw from this team. Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Yep. They were not on my radar heading into this season as they don't have a clear number one that is firepower up front. Yeah, I they agree. They're relying on a pack. But it worked. It worked and it was very effective. Madeline Hill, 25th. Jeanette Straff, 31st. It's not It's not any crazy low-stick scoring, but it's solid. It's nice lead scoring. It's pretty decent. And then you get uh, Dana Fayan in 47th, who I think she can be a little bit better moving forward. You get Mel Porcher, the CBU transfer in uh, 58th. Tiki uh, Connell, who's uh, in 72nd. She moved over from Northern Iowa, I believe, a few years ago. Really solid for her. That's a complete top five. And you get two more women uh, crashing the top 100 and Brenna Cahoon in 103rd. So this is not a flashy team. This is not like an exciting team, but it works. And now I'm kind of going through this and thinking like, man, what, where is this team going to finish in the Big 12? Like, I think obviously Oklahoma State's the heavy favorite here, but I mean, I, I guess oh, I guess BYU now is in the Big 12 as well. So I, I, I take that. Maybe have to reevaluate that. But regardless, it, it's a really nice group there. Where, again, they're another team like just like Air Force we didn't really have in our rankings, but where would you see them, if at all, being ranked? I would say in that like 22 to 23 range. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. And you know, Iowa State benefits in the fact that I'm just going to put it like the Midwest is not a very deep region no. when it comes to the regional meets. And they, I mean, they were well ahead of Northwestern, which would be probably their closest competitor because they can't compete with Oklahoma State's firepower. But you know, they should they should qualify for NCAA's given that performance here. I agree. Nicola's implications are massive. Um, I would struggle to believe that there's not a scenario where even if they were to get third in their region, which I guess the only possible scenario there is if Northwestern has the race of their lives, uh, that that happens. But yeah, I, I think Iowa State should be jumping for joy right now. The team that I was interested in, Washington. Really nice race for Washington. They had Sophie O'Sullivan after her incredible summer campaign, 15th place, really solid. And then it was the sophomores who we had basically said, hey, listen, this entire season, Washington's success is going to be determined by how good their rising sophomores, current sophomores are. Chloe Forster being one of them, 18th place, nice lead scoring result, kind of gives you some firepower there. And then behind them, you got Julia David-Smith, a sophomore by eligibility in 30th place. India Weir, veteran transfer from the Ivy League in 33rd place. And then you got Ella Borshim, the another sophomore, 
in 35th place. That's a great compact back-end group, and frankly, I didn't have a lot of confidence that Washington was going to be able to have that compact of a group. I didn't know who, you know, how many of those sophomores would truly deliver, and they didn't have Tori Herman, their Kentucky graduate transfer, even emerge as a scorer. She had a slight off day, I want to say somewhere in the 70s, uh, 78th. So I liked what I saw. They still finished fourth overall just behind uh, – Northern Arizona, Stanford, and Virginia. Yeah. I have struggles with Washington. Okay. They run great in the beginning of the season. They do, but then there's a falter late in the game at the in the postseason. That always makes me hard to like truly figure out what they're doing and where they're going to be at by the end. Sophie O'Sullivan, I mean, I don't know how she's still running so great since the indoor season. It's been, what, like nine months now? Almost, yeah. So as you said yesterday in our back and forth text message, they'll probably rest her up until the postseason now, which makes complete sense. Let's put the training in. But you're right, that sophomore class really carried this team. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I'm very high on them because I think they showed me the progress and now I'm wondering – Okay, what else can you do? Uh, question, Georgetown in fifth place with 204 points. The uh, Chloe Scrimgeour, oh my gosh, what an amazing race, second overall. Melissa Riggins, the middle distance specialist, getting 13th place, another low stick result. Um, and then Georgetown had a handful of women scattered throughout the rest of the results. Chloe uh, Gonzalez, 39th. They also had um, Kelsey Swanson. Kelsey Swenson in 43rd place. Uh, and then you have see a little bit of a, a, a drop-off from there. Let me just pull up who that fifth runner was. It was Mary Henley in 119th, a significant drop. But this Georgetown team didn't have Maggie Donahue, an All-American. So let's keep that in mind. And now you have Providence, eighth place overall. But Providence had Kimberly May in 10th place. They had a handful of really solid results uh, you know, really, again, and they also had some some back-end challenges of their own, but they didn't race Jane Buckley, and they didn't race Annabelle Eastman. So who are you now favoring for the Big East title? Is it Georgetown when Maggie Donahue comes back, or is it Providence when Alex O'Neill, Tess Hunt, Jane Buckley, and Annabelle Eastman come back for Providence? I'm going to go with Providence. Okay. Um, am I correct in remembering that was Jane Buckley the individual Big East? I champion? believe so. Yep. Okay, so the, like getting her back in the mix there will truly help them. And Annabelle Eastman, she can add some depth that will help that Providence team move up above Georgetown. Now, don't get me wrong; it's going to be a very close race between those two teams. Would you imagine that the scoring or the results could be flipped? If it's a larger field versus a more top-heavy, compact field like the Big East Championships. Hold on, say that. Would, would you- yeah, so what I'm saying is, so, you know, the Big East Championships, right, it's, you know, not to take anything away from, like, Villanova or Butler, but it's largely going to be a two-team race for the title, right? It's going to be probably compact, a smaller field, and pretty top-heavy. Whereas you go to a Nutty Comb, you go to a Pre-Nats, you go to a, this kind of race, Nationals, right? It's going to be way more spread out. Which team do you think is better suited for those respective fields? One that's smaller and top heavy or one that's larger and more just loaded, period? I think Georgetown is much more suited for the larger fields. Interesting. Okay. He them being a large field team. Whereas Providence, they are relying on more of those like middle distance runners with like Shannon Flockhart. Mm-hmm. Jane Buckley is a strong middle distance runner. Kimberly May has shown success in the 1500. She's got a 413. Yep. So they are more suited, in my opinion, for that smaller compact field where it could become like a kicker's race at the end when you're just trying to pass the bodies. And that and that's fair. And that's fair. I, I don't think, especially because you look at like what last year's results were like, it was a tight race. I mean, it was like Georgetown, Providence, Georgetown, Providence. So yeah, I, I, I very much see that. And I'm, kind of exaggerating when I say the alteration of those places. But yeah, I mean, I think th- I think that's totally fair. Um, I want to talk about Elon, 13th place. I mean, this is a team that you kind of look down, you go, all right, well, you know what? Northwestern could have produced a, a Colossus point. Ohio State could produce a Colossus point. 
maybe some kind of combination of like Columbia, Air Force, Utah State could produce a Colossus point maybe. Uh, scale of 1 to 10, how surprised are you with Elon? Is 10 the most surprised? I think 10 is the most surprised, yeah. Okay, then I got to go with that one. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know where Elon University was. <laughs> I'm not from the Southeast area. I'm Midwest born and raised, but that was a great performance from them. Yeah. I mean, they didn't even have a, someone in the top 10. I mean, it goes all the way back to, what, 48th place for their first runner? It was impressive. It was. I mean, it, and that's and that's the thing you, know, you, you kind of look at. You go, yeah, there, there's no firepower. There's not really any low stick. You get uh, Katie Blunt in 48th, Hattie Reynolds in 52nd, and uh, Jet Bierman in 56th. It's a great one, two, three, and you go, wow, there's not – there's not really any flaws there. Like, yeah, there's no like scoring potency or firepower, but for 13th place for what this team needs, that's totally fine. Madison uh, Sinewick, 73rd place, still pretty solid. Um, and yeah, there's a gap, right? There's a gap all the way down until they get to the 155th place for their final score. But in this kind of field, if you're not going to have any gaps through four runners, that, that's really all that matters for a team that just needs to get through. If you had to put your life savings on a bet that e- that Elon will make it to the national meet, would you say yes or no? Like, what, would you put? Would you would you say that they will make the meet or would they not? To put all your money on it, theoretically, of course. I'm a teacher, so not that. <laughs> I'm just gonna want that. But you know, they come out of the Southeast region, which is a little difficult with the likes of NC State, North Carolina, Virginia, and Furman. But I, I'm not going to bet it off. And now it's going to be extremely close. I need one more solid performance from them to decide if all the money I have and my cat can <laughs> off to somebody else. But... Your cat, I mean, has, your cat has played a role in a lot of your predictions that you ever made with the site. Oh, yeah. He's the one I talked to. Yeah, but I definitely need one more performance before I can say if Elon will make it. Duke had a great race in 12th place. They are, they were comfortably ahead. I think 61, places, uh, 61 points ahead of Elon. Do they get to the national meet? You know, Emily Cole will need to give me another solid race. She's definitely a track runner with that steeplechase. She is just starting to translate that mm-hmm. cross-country course, but she's someone who can be up and down. So Amina Matug, she's finishing right where we're expecting her mm-hmm. to yep. top 10 contender. But again, that's another team that will rely on a strong performance to get them Colossus points. But you didn't answer my question. Ah, because I can't, I can't say. They're a hard team. I got to look at. No, I want an answer. I want an answer. It's right now. Are they making the national meet more, right? Right now. No, I do not. Oh, I love it. Okay. That's all I want. I want a little bit of a hot take. That's good. But I will say they were only 10 points back from North Carolina this weekend. Now we can't read too much in North Carolina. But still, that's going to be – it's close. They didn't have Bryn Brown. They didn't have uh, Sasha Naglia or Sierra O'Shea. Kelsey Harrington ran her first race, I believe, in oh, quite a few months. Oh, was that true? Yeah, oh, she really? did the outdoor season. Oh, really? Yeah. Let me, she, let me see here. Yeah, she, didn't, she hasn't raced since December. That's a great observation. You're right. Yeah, that's a great point. And they're in uh, a new coaching phase change at North Carolina with Dylan Sorensen leaving. Great point. Great point. Uh, I'm still excited about North Carolina because I thought Fatima Alanis and Eva Klingbell ran pretty well with top 30 finishes. So I actually think that's a really nice result for a team that kind of needs a little bit more support behind Brim Brown, um, who didn't run, and Sasha Naglia, and so on and so forth, and Harrington. Um, again, last question before we move on here. Any team below 15th place, Columbia in 16th, Air Force 17th, Utah State 18th, Liberty 19th, Navy 20th, Charlotte 21st, Eastern Kentucky 22nd, and James Madison 23rd. Who are you still pretty high on? Um, 
you said 16 below? So, uh, below 15. So 16 oh, and below. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, it's hard to look at some of those teams. I mean, Columbia had a great race from Phoebe Anderson and Ford. Mm-hmm. And the Navy got a great performance from Emily Bowden in 17th. So, like, those are two individuals that I keep an eye on. But I don't know. I would say maybe Columbia. Okay. Having, and I, a, having a low stick helps. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. And I like Columbia a lot. Um, I mean, you really only won 11 points. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm misreading those results. Yeah, so they're, they're still a ways off from Ohio State who didn't have their best race, but they didn't have, I, I want to say, Andrea Kuhn. So, yeah, I, I, I like Columbia a lot. I'm, I very much believe in them. Um, I'll be interested to see what they can do. I think I like their firepower. Their firepower is better than what they showed. Um, I, I think they have a – For Columbia qualified last year for NCAAs and did a respectable for performance yesterday. Yeah, and plus, like, I'm trying to actually go through these results right now, more specifically looking at Columbia. Let me pull this up. But they're missing, they were missing, I think, uh, one of their women, other than Victoria Patterson, who obviously is now at Oregon. But I want to say they were missing, let me go back, let me go back. Where did that, where was that? Let's take a look here. Oh, her name begins with a V. I don't know who it is. Nicole Van Ness. They didn't have Nicole Van Ness, who was also absent from last year. So I think th- I think you're right. I think this team can be a little bit better than maybe they showed. I would encourage people to look at Utah State because they didn't have Anna Weaver. And if Anna Weaver is able to come back and she's able to be healthy, if she were to finish 50th in this race, you're looking at like 100 – you're looking at, what is it, 60-some point difference or 76-some point difference. And in that scenario – I, th- I think you look at a, a closer race in the women's side where uh, Air Utah State is getting a little bit closer to the 400-point range and potentially beating Columbia. So something to keep an eye on. Um, all right. Are you ready to go to GUIAC Invitational? I would just like to give a little shout-out to Virginia. We didn't even mention them. No, we didn't. They're on their home course and all fueled by Margot Appleton, who is having a – Still riding that strong high from the indoor track season. Here's a fun. Here's a fun little story I heard that I have not yet been able to confirm. So Margot Appleton finished third, right? Teammates Anna Workman in nineteenth, Jenny Schilling in twenty third, Caroline Tim in twenty seventh, and then their fifth runner was a bit back in Sophie Avigidson in fifty uh, first, Jillian Boucher who's a freshman in sixtieth, and Kate Sousa in seventieth. Great overall race in depth. They didn't have Cameron Menager. They didn't have Esther Sealand. And they didn't have Tatum David, so this team can be really good. They ended up finishing third overall, about twenty, about nineteen points back from Stanford. Jenny Schilling, I couldn't find anything about her. She finished twenty third, which is a borderline low stick result, fantastic result. And I put that in our article, being like, I don't really know who she is. Apparently, she ran a local five k race. She was in the UVA's club running team, ran a super great five k road race. And they said, hey, you should contact the, v- the UVA track team. You're pretty good. And they did. And she's been, I guess, killing it since then. So you want to talk about a potential impact name. Schilling might be this club runner who maybe puts Virginia in the podium conversation this fall, which is wild. Okay, I'm going to have to look out for her name. Yeah, yeah. So, well, No, I'm just doing some quick Google searches here. Now, I don't know how truly reputable this website would be, but it's called virginia.clubrunning.org. Okay. Um, Jenny Schilling has a 1658 women's 5K best from the track. That's now, pretty good. That is for somebody who, oh my goodness, she's got a 5733 10-miler. Is that the road race you might be talking about? I don't know if that's it, but that's um, it's pretty good. That is. It's pretty good. So Jenny Schilling, let's watch out for her. Uh, all right, we're going to Griac. Um, won't spend nearly as much time on that as uh, as we did on UVA, but let's start with the men's race here. California Baptist, they went with 46 points. Uh, Gonzaga behind them at 80 points. New Mexico, 110. Portland, 111. Boise State, 127 for fifth place there. Um, thoughts on California Baptist? Are you surprised at all? Um, No, I'm not. I... For some reason, I always just see them up there. Yeah. And I, I don't know why. 
<laughs> they're just kind of a team that now granted they are both their men and women's team is filled with international athletes and they always seem to bring in somebody that catches us off guard every single year. Now they did lose quite a few guys to the mm-hmm. transfer portal, but they show that that didn't really matter. Yeah. We're in the top nine. That's yeah. some cool depth right there. Yeah. Say Michael going to Iowa state, Florian LaPelle going to uh Butler. I believe one was a grad transfer. One was a transfer. I don't know that for sure, but you know, a lot of these guys who take a look at what they did on the track, like Valentin Soka and Archer Medvez and Matias Renega and uh, uh, Dijer Tunis, right? You know, they were all great on the track, like fantastic actually running mid 1340s or even into the 1330s or 2840s for 10K. I mean, these guys were running really, really well. I think the question was, okay, are you going to be able to translate that to the grass, right? Can you all stick together? Can you all have the best day on the same day? But Medvez in fourth, Soka in sixth, Van Niekirk in eighth, Matias Renega in ninth. And yeah, Val Latrinus was down in 19th place, but I think he can be better. I think he can actually probably be closer to that group. So I was impressed. I think we would still want to see how they race against teams that are a little more competitive. I think Gonzaga, New Mexico, Portland, some of those teams were not racing all their top men, specifically Portland. Gonzaga is a team that just lost a lot of the guys in New Mexico, still trying to figure out their depth. Uh, Gonzaga, Will Smith with the second place result, and Kyle Radcevic, sure, in seventh place. And then a few other men, Drew College, the D2 All-American from Michigan Tech in 16th place. Um, and then they have a, you know, a couple other guys in the top 35, I want to top 31, I want to say. That's Bryce Cerniwatic. Oh, I, I don't even know how to say that. Sorry. And then Cooper Laird in 31st. Is is Gonzaga a team that can still qualify for the national meet despite all their losses? You know, I do see them still being able to qualify. Okay. They're in the West region. And, you know, it's hard to figure out what Oregon's doing. If they're going to redshirt that solid freshman class or if they'll race them. And then... I mean, Stanford, as long as they piece everything together, they should easily go. And it will be a close battle between that 2-3-4 position with Gonzaga, Washington, Oregon, and CBU, California Baptist, right up there. I I think Oregon's in a different conversation. Um, I'd probably put them well ahead of that group. Uh, Here's a fun question. Who's who's more likely to get into the national meet than the other? Is it Gonzaga or Washington? I think Washington's a little bit more likely. Okay. I would trust them a little bit more. Not a ton more, though. I think that's fair. Um, Will Smith, is he an All-American? Second place today. Or second place uh, on Friday, excuse me. You know, he's someone... His name has been, like, riding that conversation since the fall, I would really say, when he first kind of popped onto the scene with a 30-second finish at Nuttycomb and then... Mm -hmm finished fourth at the West region. He did have a solid day at NCAAs by, with 59th, but I think he still has not gone over that one little hump for me to get him into the top 40. What would he need to do at, let's say, Nuttycomb to make you feel like he can be an All-American? I think he's going to need a top 15 finish. 15? Yes. Nuttycomb brings in those heavy hitters. But you think he, well, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So you don't even think he needs to be a top 25? Um, if he's top 25, he's 24th. Okay, I will say 20, top 23. We'll backtrack. We'll give him eight places. Okay. Okay. That's, I still think it's aggressive. That's a nine-place finish increase from last year with 23rd. Okay. Okay. So if you do the math, that's nine places higher than NCAA's. That's still only top fifty. I don't want to. I don't want you to have such good logic. Don't don't do that to me. Um, okay, New Mexico. The narrative around them. Oh my gosh, they have an elite top three now. Habatum Samuel Caleda, uh, Lucas Kiprop, and then Evans Kiplagat. Sure enough, they're as good as advertised. Caleda went first. Kiprop went third. Evans Kiplagat went fifth. Elite one two three punch, and then they dropped off. And they had a significant scoring gap with their final two scores, I believe, in 50th and 51st place. Is that correct? They were 53rd and 54th. 53rd and 54th. Um, but in the scoring, they were 50, 51st. Yeah. 
I should note, 1352 5K runner Jonathan Carman did not race. If they finished, if he finishes 20th and you add in some displacement, New Mexico theoretically gets Gonzaga by this small of a margin. I believe I was told, we were told by Brett that um, Carmen was sick and DNF'd. So knowing this, is New Mexico a team that qualifies for the national meet? Oh, man. They've got that one, two, three. It's pretty Somebody, good. Yeah, you said two people were missing? One one person. Okay, one person. Right. So I need to see what he can produce. That will be key. Like, I can't make any big assumptions right now. Fair. That's fair. Now, do you think that they – do you think they at least earned at least, like, one Colossus point here today by – or they're at the <sighs> I, I don't know. Uh, I think Portland probably didn't run enough of their top group. So they didn't have Bradley Pelequin. They didn't have, um, oh my gosh, uh, uh, Jonas Gertson. They didn't have Thomas Chaston. If there's one other guy who I'm not thinking of who they didn't run. Dalton Keynes? Ahmad Sato? Uh, Ahmad Sato probably would be the one I have to guess. But if they if they didn't run... You know, four of their projected top seven, and I don't think they did. Then no, I don't think New Mexico got a point. Okay, because it will be very tough for New Mexico men to get out of the region mm-hmm. when uh when their bottom half is not as close to their top. I agree. I because agree. that's, that's a, the mountain region is so deep. Let's go already, to, oh, sorry. Go ahead. You can already guess the NAU and BYU are going to be those – historically, they're the top two teams up there. Well, yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be a tough race for that. Yeah, and I don't I, – I think, yeah, it's going to be a, a, a challenge for sure. But if they put themselves ahead of, like, Utah State, they put they get pushed in. Colorado, I will be – They're not putting themselves against Colorado. They're not going ahead of Colorado. You don't think that with the top three that strong right there? I mean, listen, if Carmen is back at 100%, he's as good as we think he is, then sure, yeah, I think they could. But I also struggle to, like, properly gauge. Like, just because someone puts one team ahead of, like, a in, in the regional meet, I don't think that necessarily means they're as good. But well, just in... That, but... Yeah, well, I you know, we're, we're, we're doing ticky tactics now. Um yeah. Women's gold race, uh, CBU gets a narrow one-point finish over um, Utah. And CBU looks great. Greta Karaneskate in first. Yasna Petrova in sixth. You get Emily Miksuta in tenth. Um, a little bit of a drop-off from there, but then Kara Gosek in 21st. Uh, Marina Trave in 25th. Carletta Rhodes in 26th. And then Maja Dishnilabuska. I'm trying my best there, in 28th. Um, we're going to get to Utah in a second here, but California Baptist, any surprises? No. Yep. I was happy to see, um, Greta, I cannot pronounce her last name. Karen Escape. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to butcher it. No, no, no. Give it a shot. Karen Escape. Karen Escape. Sure. Karen Escape. Oh, Karen Escape. There you go. I think that's it. I could be wrong. Let's try that. I was happy to see her win because she... With somebody who was up there last fall, but then faltered towards the end. But then she was a name that we were consistently saying on the outdoor track scene in the steeplechase. And to see her translate that to the grass this weekend was big for them. Uh, I don't really have much more to add about CBU. I think this is great. I think we wanted to see if Karen Eskate would be as good as she was. She was. I'm moving on. Um, Utah. You and I spoke about Utah. Um, I'm sorry. I owe an apology to Utah, to the Utes. I didn't believe in them at all. Not even a little bit. I believed in them so minimally that we put them in our honorable mentions. I think I guessed them to finish fifth in this race. They were second. They were one point behind the win. Um, they're, they're all their entire scoring, their entire top four carried them throughout last year. And that's all where their scoring was consolidated to. They lost their entire top four. And they bring in Lindsay Peters, but we Lindsay Peters didn't even run. We're not even sure if she can run. We're still not 100% sure. We're still trying to figure it out due to NCAA transfer rules. So 
I'm looking at this and going, okay, well, where's the firepower? Where's anything? Where's any of the scoring going to come from? And then they resoundingly answered with saying, our freshman Anastasia Peters is going to finish third. McKaylee Caesar, who's supposed to be at UCLA. Obviously, the coaching change there. She goes to Utah. She finishes fifth. Morgan Jensen finishes ninth. Clara Mayfield, the D3 star transfer from Carleton, finishes 12th. And then, yeah, there's a little bit of a drop-off all the way down until you get to Carly Branch in 35th place. Thoughts on Utah and this incredible performance? I It left me speechless, not going to lie, to see three women who were not even competing for Utah last year in their top four. They made an immediate statement that they can fill in those gaps. Now, they're not as strong as the likes of Simone Plord and Emily Venters up front right now, but this is a team that could continue to catch us off guard. Yeah, I mean, this was really impressive. And you just take a look at some of the women who didn't run, like Kylie Hartnett, Brooke Manson, Brianna Wren, Erin Ringer. Um, if one of those women is able to be just a little bit better on the back end, you're looking at a complete top five in Utah, comfortably pulling away by 10, 15, 20 points over a very good CBU team that we have ranked. So for me, I'm like, man, this is a really good squad. Um, I want to see more. I think that this is an, it is a lighter field compared to maybe that of Virginia Invitational by a good margin. And, you know, Anastasia Peters is a true rookie. Let's see what else she can do. But I'm extremely impressed. I was wrong about Utah. They're much better than I thought. And uh, I got to respect it. I, I really do. Um, Colorado State, 96 points. It's fine. They didn't run uh, Annabelle Stafford. They didn't run Laura uh, Lauren uh, Nugenborg. I, I don't even know if I'm getting that name right. Uh, and then at Yasmin Ostridge in 33rd. I thought she could have been a little bit better. Did we overrank Colorado State at TSR number 19? Seeing this result, but also knowing that Stafford, Lauren Nugenborg didn't run and that maybe Ostrich could be better. I don't think we did. I think we ranked them appropriately right around. Even if we drop them back a place or two, they are pretty much in the same line with Oregon State, Wisconsin, depth of a team. They're right around that fringe 20 places. Okay. And that's fair. That's fair. I don't I don't dislike that at all. Um I'm going to skip past Colorado State, go skip past Portland and Boise State, ran well. New Mexico finishes six. And I think I was a lot higher on New Mexico than some others were. And they look good through two runners. Nicola Jansen, awesome second place finish. Low stick result. Nice to really see that. I don't know if we were expecting that from her. And then Peyton Scheipe in eighth place. Again, those two Bradley transfers coming in, instantly having an impact. Yeah, Tyler Schwartz in 34th, there's a bit of a gap. And Sarah Eckel in 37th. And then uh, Samira Mabruta Fierzgi, I'm sorry if I'm butchering that, in 43rd. But Emma Heckel does not run. Emma Heckel is, a, is an All-American, multi-time All-American. Um, what happens to this team? Like, if she runs, and let's, let's just do the math right now, right? If she runs and let's say she finishes fifth, right? So then it's... Uh, was it two, two plus five plus nine plus thirty-four plus thirty-seven? So I'll I'll add that there. All right. Well, I can't Google this all at once. But New Mexico is gets significantly better. Regardless, I'm not going to try to do this all at Google. Um, That's okay. I'm not a math teacher, so. Well, I, I'm I was terrible at math, and I got an econ degree, and now I just write about people who run in circles. So it goes to show what I know. Um, is New Mexico a team that if Heckle runs can be top 25? I think so. I think Heckle in there, bridging that gap between at least their two and three, but ahead of Tyler Schwartz, could get them up. Now, as you said earlier, this isn't as deep of a field, also for the women, as years past, but they are definitely one of those, like, 23, 24, 25 teams based on what I've seen right now. And I think that's fair. I just did the math. Let's say Heckle finishes fifth and then everyone gets pushed back in displacement. New Mexico would have scored 89 points, which would have put them ahead of Colorado State. So now granted, that's a full lineup we're talking about for New Mexico, but 
interesting things to consider. I think you're right. I think they're probably just on the fringes right now. We'd have to see Heckle actually run and actually run at a high level. But we'll see what happens. So Yeah, I also need something a little bit more from the... Uh, Nicola Jansen, I'm not worried about, but Tyler Schwartz and Peyton Scheibe, I need to see a little bit more. They're a little inexperienced. Oh, I disagree. I disagree. I think Peyton Scheibe was great in eighth place. Oh, I think it's great. I just need to see something now a little bit more experience-wise because the women ahead of her with the CBU women and even Laura Pellicoro, those are established runners. Right. You're just saying you want to see more consistency, reliability in the scoring of what should be produced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. All right, let's move on. Quickly highlighting Bill Dellinger invite. Um, women's race here. Oh, here. I, I got that mixed up. Women's race. Um, I don't really have a whole lot. Certain teams were like Oregon State didn't run Grace Featherston. Huh? Oregon was, you know, I just don't, I don't know how much emphasis they were putting into this. I don't know if I even saw, you know, Victoria Patterson in this race at all. Um, it, it's hard for me to kind of really put a lot of emphasis onto this race. But Sadie Sargent did run for BYU. There was initially thoughts that she wouldn't have eligibility, um, but it seems that she does. So she was in this race racing with BYU women. I think we have BYU at 10. Where would you put them now? Maybe eight. I would jump them up. Sadie Sargent, she was in the top 80 last year at NCAAs, if I'm remembering. So she's not fully up there as the All-American talent just yet, but she is a solid middle-of-the-pack runner for BYU. Any further comments before I move on to the men? I just got to say, I got to give it out to those two UC Davis women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anna Wilder and Sierra Atkins going 2-3 in a field that has the BYU women and some of the Oregon women who have established themselves, but for them to go two, three, that's a solid day for them. I agree. I agree. I think Brianna Wielder, we were looking at um, as a potential team to uh, run or to make our rankings uh, preseason. So um, men's race, Cal Poly 41 points to Oregon's 58. Um, Cal Poly didn't run Joaquin Martinez de Peños. They did not run, um, Maybe one other name who I'm just not thinking of right now, and it's kind of blanking on it. Um, but Davis Bow runs really well, gets the overall win over Quincy Norman by three seconds. Nice pickup uh, from Cal Poly to get the LSU transfer there. Uh, he's a, he's a nice mile long distance guy. I think it's a good fit. But I'm struggling to kind of really put a lot of emphasis into this race. Um, Oregon had what their third, fourth place finishers, uh, Simeon Beerbaum and Josh Edwards, uh, unattached in this race. Um, Elliot Cook was seventh. I mean, Archie Noakes in tenth, unattached. Uh, Juliana Scasso, unattached. I mean, there's guys who were, you know, Isaiah Sturry was back there at eighteenth, unattached. I, I just struggled to put a lot of emphasis into this race with Oregon runners scattered all around, having unattached results. Sturry being further back than I think we know he's capable of. Thoughts like what? What is this lineup going to look like? Like, do you put much emphasis into this? Like, what are your thoughts? I'm not putting much emphasis in Oregon. I mean, last year Jerry Schumacher did something very similar. He redshirted the that freshman class, so it's kind of up in the air right now. Is he going to redshirt the redshirt this freshman class? Even though clearly Simeon Birnbaum is showing that he can race alongside Quincy Norman, um, Josh Edwards he's a sophomore. Yes. Okay. So he could be somebody who gets in that top five as well. So I just can't, I can't figure out yet what Jerry Schumacher is doing, but I'm not surprised with the, un, with the unattached athletes. I, I'm not either. I'm not I, even a little bit. Like for me, I just look at Isaiah Sturry and I go, okay, 18th in this field. He's way better than that. Like, I don't know just how much emphasis I can put on that. So um, I think we're on the same page. I, I think, I think you and I think very similarly about these things. Um, let's wrap up. Cowboy Jamboree, not a whole lot to talk about, but Oklahoma State, who was facing Texas, and the Texas men actually ran very well um, against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State still won with a lot of their top guys out, but Oklahoma, Texas ran well. Um, Oklahoma State has two freshmen. Dennis Kipnagich, Kipnagai, I don't know. And then Brian Masu, Masua? Masu? 
two freshmen they ran uh they went first and second i don't put much emphasis into times but they ran 2321 and 2341 beat devin hart beat victor shisama beat roger rivera isaac alonzo half to night you know put as much emphasis into that as you want what are your thoughts on these two overseas international guys running crazy fast we've never heard of we don't even know Oklahoma State didn't even run many of their top guys. Is this a team that can win the national title? Like, I mean, what kind of emphasis do do we put on these results? Okay, if they race like this at the end of the season with the top guys from Oklahoma State all staying healthy, all being in the lineup who we need, I could see them giving NAU another run for their money. I don't want to put much emphasis. There's two freshmen who we never heard anything about who just ran in a pretty top-heavy field, and it's a good field, but you don't really know quite how how much, you know, quite how good they are. But history says that they're going to be really, really good. That's why I, I said this, we need this same performance. Yes, yes, I, oh. I, I'm I'm with you. And similarly on the women's side, we've got another development like that that we had never heard of before. And I, of course, I'm talking about Victoria Legat, who finished third among the slew of Oklahoma State women who went one through four. Actually, they went one through four and then sixth place. Victoria Lagat. Does she make Oklahoma State a podium team, despite us knowing pretty much nothing about her? No. I got to see her racing with Taylor Rowe and Gabby Henteman in the field as well. But she could be that missing piece after Natalie Cook left. It could be huge. It could be huge. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine imagine it's one of those things where the money suddenly becomes free and they're able to go out and grab, you know, some of these star additions. So um, I just wanted to bring that to, uh, to everyone's attention who, who listens to the podcast. Oklahoma State has some really interesting newcomers. Um, so I wanted, wanted to bring that to your attention. Okay, Mara, we are – an hour, six minutes into this, hour, almost seven minutes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Do you have any uh, other additional notes, words, analysis, thoughts, compliments from me, how great I am? No, I think we're pretty good. It's too early to start giving compliments right now. Right, right. It's only right. Monday. We're not even into the middle of the cross-country season yet where Garrett gives me some time off. So no, yeah. give me some time. No, yeah, we we are just going to exhaust you as much as we can, and that's uh, pretty much our entire goal. But Mara, you are a champion. You are an extremely hard worker, incredibly knowledgeable, and you more importantly tolerate me. So I thank you, and more importantly, thank you to everyone else who is listening who tolerates me, Ben, and now Mara um, here on the podcast. We appreciate you all. Uh, ratings and reviews. Go listen. Uh, go listen to the podcast, share with a friend, and then go leave ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, view us on YouTube as well. Um, go check out the site. We've got a lot of stuff coming up. We've got someone going to Joe Piani, Notre Dame for live on-site coverage this upcoming week. So that's exciting. And uh, that's all I got. So until next time, Mara, I'll talk to you. Bye.